Welcome to Hillside Baptist Church Podcast. We are a church that is committed to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is our privilege to open God's word with you. It is our prayer that you receive the message from the man of God with an open heart. That through God's word, you are encouraged and equipped to face life's challenges. But most importantly, it is our prayer that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior if you haven't already. If you'd like to connect with us, you can do so at hillsidebc.com, find us on Facebook, or send us an email at info at hillsidebc.com. We hope that you benefit from today's message and that you would share it with a friend. But let's now open our hearts and God's Word Look in your Bibles today in Psalm chapter 34, and as we look here today, uh, just as we seek this year, this year, our theme has been Know Him from Philippians 3.10, and our desire has been that we might know Him and the power of His sufferings and the fellowship uh, of His sufferings, excuse me, excuse me, the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings. And we realize that knowing Him is not just knowing that Jesus existed but really knowing that He is enough for everything, knowing that He is sufficient, finding that His grace is enough. And listen, when He was nailed at Calvary at the tree, we're reminded, He said, it is finished, the payment is full, there is nothing else that is needed. And so we recognize that God is enough for all that we need. And so as we seek to know Him this year, we cannot miss knowing the expressions of His goodness. And last week we shared uh, with you that God is good. Amen? Isn't it good, good to know that God is good and we can say all the time and all the time God is good. The Bible says in Psalm 25 and verse 8, Good and upright is the Lord, therefore will He teach sinners in the way. We recognize that the Bible is very clear. He says in Psalms 145 in verse number 9, The Lord is good to all. Listen, it's not just a select few. He said, we, he said His tender mercies are over all His works. That's in our life, my life, in your life. We all recognize that God is good. And we see even the effects of God's goodness were in David's life. Now David, as he penned Psalms chapter 34, was not in one of those places where things were perfect. And I'm thankful that God allows us as believers to have the Word of God written by men uh, over the course of about 1,500 years who were inspired by God, but they were men nonetheless, just like me and you, that recognized that they had problems at times and there was difficulties that arose. They knew what it was to be sick or they knew what it was to be at war. They knew what it was to go through trials. And yet in the midst of Psalm 34, we find that he writes about the goodness of God. And it's in these circumstances surrounding Psalm 34 that help us really to see how good God truly is and how that reacts and, and, and how that makes David to react in seasons of trial. So let's read Psalm 34 in its entirety today uh, as we just begin the service this morning, this morning and uh, just desire to meet with the Lord and be reminded that God desires our lives to be affected by His goodness. In verse number 1, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. 
They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. The poor man cried, and our Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the, uh, oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and, and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil, do good, seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of, all, all, out of them all. He keepeth his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked and they that hate righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Let's stop and pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness, and thank you for the reading of your word. And may you, Lord, demonstrate yourself mighty on our behalf today. Lord, that we could trust in your goodness. And Lord, as a result of that, be willing to praise. Lord, be willing to be encouraged. And Lord, be willing to delight in you. Thank you for your goodness now. Just turn our hearts, we pray, toward you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you look in Psalm chapter 34, right above the main text, there's a little subscript there. And you can read it, and it says, A Psalm of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he departed. And in that subscript, it gives you a little bit of understanding of the context of this psalm. And so we're going to learn a little bit about what happened in David's life in, that precipitated the writing of this psalm. Because in doing so, what we learn, we learn even more uh, about the context and that helps us to see this through the eyes of David. Because we see that, that David uh, had gone through a great time of trial in his life just previous to Psalm 34 and its writing. And so this description, it describes for us a little bit of the intense situations that surrounded uh, David. Uh, and and we're uh, reminded that we too are oftentimes in places where we feel as if life is, can be caving in upon us and things can be overwhelming. And so how do we respond in those situations? And, and let me just remind you that God is good all the time, right? We believe that, we say that, sometimes we say that just so we can believe it. Uh, but the reality is God is always good. Uh, but how do we respond in those circumstances? And David gives us a good picture here. So let me tell you about a little bit just what happened. Remember, David was a, a mighty warrior. Matter of fact, as a young boy, he had fought Goliath in the Valley of Elah. Remember that story. And Goliath, who was nearly 10 foot tall, uh, stood over uh, the, uh, the valley there, down in the bottom of the valley, and he hollered obscenities, and he hollered out uh, uh, oaths about uh, the Lord, the Jehovah, that all of Israel served. David, as a shepherd boy, comes on the scene and he's talking to his brothers and then he hears this giant holler all of these uh, obscenities and he reminds them, he says, is there not a cause? Is there not a reason for us to fight this man? Don't we, don't we remember who fights on our side? 
And we remember very distinctly that David went down into the valley. He gathered, gathered five stones out of the brook and he put them in his pouch. And he took one slung, a stone, he slung it and he smote the giant in his forehead. The giant fell to the ground. He grabbed Goliath's sword and he lopped off his head and he walked away victorious. We remember that story, right? Well, that was the beginning of something that would be affected, that would later affect the situation here. Now, you see, as David came to this, this moment of triumph would later become a time of trouble. Now, trouble in that King Saul became instantly jealous of David. You see, you can read back in the Old Testament where he said, uh, where the maidens would sing, uh, Saul slew his thousands, but David hits his tens of thousands. Well, no king wanted to be usurped by some little shepherd boy. And so as a, as a king who had been in fierce battles and he'd, he'd won the armor and he'd earned the armor that he wore and the sword that he carried, listen, he was now one-upped by this little shepherd boy with a sling. And so as a result, what we find is King Saul was instantly jealous and he began this campaign of persecution that lasted all the way into the death of King Saul. Matter of fact, we saw a couple of times where he threw a javelin. David was simply playing the harp and, and uh, Saul threw a javelin to smite David and to try to kill him. He was envious. He was resentful. And he tried to destroy his life. He even plotted against him uh, and sent his soldiers to go destroy his life. There was another time where he tried to get his daughter in on this uh, coup uh, to be able to destroy the life of David. He sent a gang of bullies to murder David in his bed. And so on it went and on it went until David and uh, his trust in the Lord began to falter and he became weary of all that had gone on and he fled the country. He, fig he figured the only thing left for me is to run away. And so that's what David did. He ran away from King Saul and other men were gathered into him. And these men became some of uh, David's greatest and mightiest of men. Uh, but in, in one instance, he went to Ahimelech, the priest. And in order to procure uh, a little bit of food for his men, he uh, told some lies, received Goliath's sword, and then he ran down to Gath. Now, if you remember, where was Goliath from? Goliath of Gath. And if we go back to in our mind's eye and we can imagine here comes David, a, a guy that uh, the people of Gath had heard about, but maybe they'd never seen. Remember, there was no Facebook or there was no Instagram for him to post his photos uh, with, uh, with Goliath's head. You know, there wasn't that. You know, I love fishermen and I love to do this myself. I caught a little bass the other day. It wasn't very big. And so I put it real close to the camera so the bass looked really big. I sent it to Brother Nick and Brother Nick said, wow, that's a big fish. I said, no, it was just a really good angle. <laughs> you know, so he, he didn't have a po uh, an Instagram account where he could take pictures and send them. And po they didn't know what David looked like. And so when David walked down to Gath and they began to be rumored, oh, this is David. This is the one that killed Goliath. Instantly, uh, David was put into chains. He was put into prison. And instantly he would have to go down uh, to stand before the Philistine Lord Achish. And it's in those moments that he is, he is captured that his life would hang in the balance. And it's in those moments that uh, his life was really uh, just at any moment could go either way. And so he began to just pretend to be crazy. Matter of fact, he began to, began to be so crazy uh, that he let the, the stubble, his uh, dribble, uh, run down on his beard and he acted and played the fool uh, before the king. And in frustration, Achish kicked him out of, the, uh, out of his, uh, his, uh, his uh, whatever that was. <laughs> you ever have those moments where the brain says, I'm done, hang on. Rebooting. All right. He kicked him out of his court. He was not allowed in his presence. And then they kicked him out of the country.
And so he went back, found the cave of Adullam where he had spent other times and had found a place of refuge. And there God gives him Psalm 34. It's not the greatest of situations. It's not the most comforting. There were some uh, times where he had disobeyed the Lord. There were some times where he felt uh, maybe cast out as well. And now he, at this place, God ministers to his soul. And it's in this place that we learn a couple of important principles. And I'm going to give you half of them today uh, about what David learned about God's goodness. And I want to remind you, you may be in a place where you're down in Gath and you feel like everything around you is going against you. But I remind you, God is still good. And even in Gath, even in places where it seems like uh, the world is caving in, the goodness of God is evident. And I want to give you three things today in part one of this uh, about David's life. Look in verses one through three here, and we see the very first response he had was he said, I'm going to be determined to praise God. Verse one, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Notice a couple of things about this. Is that he made a couple of determinations here. I will and I shall. There's two words here that are, are determinative of his attitude and his response to what he was going through. I, we don't know yet if, if there in the cave of Adullam, if his men had joined him, but I picture him and now as a, in the cave of Adullam all by himself, going over the events of the last several weeks, going over his near-death experience, going over all that had gone on. And he says this, all by himself, in that cave, got a little fire going, and he gets his pen and he begins to write out, I will praise the Lord. I'm going to make a determination in this part of my life. I'm going to choose that I will praise him at all times. Did you know that in every one of the state's constitutions in America, we, we acknowledge God? someplace in the, in the Constitution, and several of them, and I'm not going to read them all, but I want to read a couple to you. Several of them even include a word of praise to God. For example, in Arizona, it says, We, the people of the state of Arizona, grateful to Almighty God for our liberties, do ordain this Constitution. Now, here was a surprise one. State of California. It says, We, the people of the state of California, grateful to Almighty God for our freedom. I thought, man, I read that and I thought, man, that's a miracle. There's Missouri. Amen. It says, we, the people of Missouri, with profound reverence for the supreme ruler of the universe and grateful for his goodness to establish this constitution for the better government of the state. And you can go on and you can look at others, but the point is that these are a reflection of the fact that praise is a part of who we are as a society and as a people, but really it's a part of a healthy life. There are many times when praise does not come naturally, though, and there's times where we have to be able to say, Lord, I know that this is not easy, but right now, God, I choose to praise you. David recognized in the intenseness of his situation that his attitude must be an attitude of determined praise. Now, first off, we see that this is a deliberate choice. Look in verse number one. As I mentioned a while ago, he made a deliberate choice and he, and he just determined, I will his praise shall continually be in my mouth. We see these, these repetitions of these things, and we see that, that uh, David said, listen, I have made the choice. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's what Joshua said. And, jo and David now says, listen, I will praise him continually. His praise shall continually be on my lips. And so when we discuss praise, 
What we're talking about is demonstrating a heart of gratitude. Go back to the scriptures. If you go to first Thessalonians chapter five and verse 18, he says in everything, what church give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, why would God demand that? Why would God say, listen, it's important for you to give thanks because of this simple realization is that without the giving of thanks, we miss out on some of the greatest blessings. You know, when David grew fearful of Saul, he made a choice to go into the enemy territory and to avoid the king. Yet David learned that even in the moments of his poor decision making, God was watching over him through all of it. And he said, as a result of God's watch care, as a result of God's providence, as a result of God's care for me, he says, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. And so there was here this decision that he could use his life, he could use his mouth to praise the Lord. Every day when the sun rises over Washington, D.C., you see on the, uh, the National Mall there this, this tower. Anybody know what that's called? Washington Monument. What many people don't realize is that at the very top of this 550-foot uh, emblem, this Washington Monument, are two words that are inscribed that face the east side, Laos Deo, which means praise be to God. You see, every morning as the sun rises, there is a reminder that we praise God. Every morning on our nation's capital is that reminder that, listen, everything we are, we owe to Him. If we could get back to that... If we could go back to the place where, God, we are grateful for where you brought us. Lord, we're grateful for the fact that you even made us. But not only that you made us, but Lord, that you also redeemed us. What a difference it would make in our society. You know, we often uh, bemoan the next generation. You know, and it doesn't matter if you're 80, you bemoan the generation that came behind you. Or if you're 40, you're you bemoan the generation that comes after you. Can I get an amen? And we just, we're just like, our generation was so much better than the previous ones or the last one. You know, we have this idea, but, but really we look back and we think, if we could be a people of praise. You see, praise is an antidote to the poison of doubt. Praise is an antidote to the poison of depression and despair. And listen, these things are rampant in people's lives. And we've got to get back to this place that we realize in Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them who, that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. You see, when we come back to this truth and we realize God loves us enough that not only did he save us, but God even works in our life, that even in these bad situations, God can work good out of it. You see, what David realized was in the cave of Adullam, listen, that was a bad decision decision, but God watched over me through all of it. And now I'm better as a result. And I choose to praise him. You see, when we see the promises of God and we see God fulfill things, we can have an attitude of praise. One example of someone who forgot was Jacob. We think about Jacob, who was supposed to be one that would remember the promises of God. He wrestled with God. He got the blessings of God. He would know what it was to have 12 sons. He would, he would see his, just God richly bless in his life. And yet Jacob forgot how faithful God was. When Joseph, his oldest son of Rachel, was lost, there was a drought that had came. He's a son that was arrested by Pharaoh's assistant. And his response was full of pity and despair. Listen to his response in Genesis 42, 36. He says, And Jacob their father said unto them, Me have ye bereaved of my children. Joseph is not, and Simeon is not, and ye will take Benjamin, uh, and ye will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. 
His response was despair. His response was that self-pity. His response was to bemoan all that was going on him. Uh, and, and at that very moment, Joseph, uh, what he didn't realize is that his son Joseph was alive and he was exalted to the right hand of the majesty in Egypt. And God was working all things together for the good for his family, for Benjamin, for Simeon, and even for Jacob. But Jacob, instead of praising God in the midst of this and saying, Lord, I don't know what's going on. Lord, I don't understand why this is happening and these seemingly bad things are happening. And so God, uh, instead of praising him in that moment, he says, oh, everything is against me. And he just begins to whine and complain. But you know, when we praise God, it's an exclamation of our faith. And we, when we're able to look at the situation and say, man, I don't know how God's going to work this out for my good, but God, I trust that you will, and so I'm going to praise you. Lord, I'm going to thank you for allowing this difficulty in the life of our family. Lord, I'm going to I thank you for allowing us to, to grow through this situation. Listen, it's an outward demonstration of the inward trust that no, that no matter what may befall us, God is with us. It doesn't remove the hurt. Now listen, it doesn't mean that when we praise God, the hurt magically goes away. What it does is it opens our hearts to the goodness of God. It says, Lord, you're still good in the midst of this. Yes, I'm hurting. Yes, this is not something I understand, but God, I recognize you're still good in the midst. So no matter what you're going through, we must make a deliberate choice as well. God, I choose to praise you. Psalm 150, verse 6, ought to be our cry today. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. And read those last four words. Praise ye the Lord. But it also, here's the second benefit. When we choose to praise, it causes a chain reaction. And here's an exciting thing in verse number two. Look what happens here. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord, and the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Listen, it didn't just stay with David. Now it began to affect the other men that had maybe wandered up and begun to join him in the cave of Adullam. And now these men, as they hear David, as he's singing these songs of praise back to the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And maybe he's going over Psalm 23, or maybe he's reflecting on some other Psalms that the Lord had given him previously. And he's singing these back to the Lord as a way of praising him, these others around him begin to also pick up that song of praise. You see, your spirit of praise affects those about you. Your spirit uh, of, of doom also affects those. I, I love to go visiting in the hospital and, and listen, but when I go in the hospital, a lot of times I realize people aren't there because it's a vacation. Right? If you've ever been in the hospital, you realize they'll come in and they'll tell you, now listen, we want you to get as much rest as you can. And then they come in every 30 minutes to make sure you're okay. It's like, do you have to draw my blood at 3 o'clock in the morning? And they say, yes, the doctor ordered it. Well, do it yesterday, not tonight. I'm trying to sleep. I'm trying to obey your orders. And so when we go to the hospital, we do that because we're sick, we're in need of help. And, and so as a result of that, we're oftentimes in great pain or we're in a trial of suffering and it's easy in those moments to become discouraged and dragged down. And so when I, before I ever enter the hospital, my desire is to find reasons to praise the Lord for, with, for those that I visit. Man, if somebody I just was visiting this week who had suffered a stroke, and as I went into the room, I remember just walking in there, and he was, uh, he was pretty down and just, just a little bit discouraged. And, and, and I said, man, you have so much to thank God for. 
Man, look at how God protected you here and here and here. Because he told me the story of all that had happened. And, and as I was visiting with him, I just began to say, listen, God is good even in the midst of this. Listen, parent, we sometimes have to navigate through troubled waters. And there's times where we have to go through situations where it seems like, man, I don't know what to do. And I've actually told my son this a couple of times. I said, son, I don't know what I'm going to be doing. Uh, you know, I don't, well, he's fixing to get his driver's license. Amen. I hope y'all are praying for your pastor. God willing, Tuesday, he'll go take his test and, and he'll get his, uh, his driver's license. And so we had a little heart to heart this week and we're sitting in the truck. And I said, I said, listen, uh, your mom and I really don't know what we're doing. You're kind of our guinea pig. Uh, and so we're just going to do the best we can. And so there's going to be times where maybe you don't understand what we have to say. You just got to trust us that we're trying to work through this, too. You know, and, and sometimes I, I look at this as a parent and I just have to stop and I just have to say, OK, Lord, Lord, I'm going to trust you. And there's going to be times where as parents, we just have to say, Lord, I, I don't know what's going on with my kid, but God, I'm going to trust you. And I'm just going to follow you at the next step and the next step and the next step. One of our greatest examples of praising in the midst of our problems is Paul and Silas. We go back to the book of Acts in Acts chapter number 16 and, and we find that there in Acts 16, they're shackled uh, in the center inner uh, sanctum of this prison. Uh, there's bars all around them. The doors are locked. They're stone. Uh, there's very little light, very little hope. And they're crammed into this little stone, stone enclosure with no human hope of ever being extended to them. And yet in the midst of this dungeon, this is what, they, what, what happens in Acts chapter 16 and verse 24 who having received such a tar charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. In verse 25, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. Now you say, oh, isn't that sweet? Now listen, it wasn't just a, have thine own Lord. No, they sang it out. They said, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Listen, the prisoners heard them. The whole place rattled, rattled with their praise to the Lord. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. And He just continued to lift it up and they continued to praise the Lord. And listen, it affected those that were around them and the other prisoners when, when God brought a great earthquake and, and the doors were opened and, and they had the freedom to escape. The prisoners stayed put because God had changed their life. Listen, that happened because they were willing in the midst of their burdens, in the midst of their problems, say, Lord, we're going to trust you and we're going to praise you. 1627, it says even this, and the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he threw out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing the prisoners had been fled. But the glorious thing was their lives had been changed because Paul and Silas praised God. And we see when we determine to praise, it affects those around us. May we be people of praise. Psalm 100, let me remind you of this. It says at the very beginning, a psalm of Praise. Now that's not part of the scripture. That's just the subscript there as we see just a de uh, description of what this psalm is. And he says it's a psalm of praise. But listen to uh, this beautiful psalm. He says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all your lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. You ever wonder why do we start church with songs? Because God tells us to. 
He says, come into the Lord's presence with singing. And so let us come, not, not just with our hands in our pockets waiting for this part to be open, but let us come with our mouths open and our hearts full of the joy of the Lord. And he says this, know ye that the Lord, He is God. When we sing, we're singing to someone who's greater than us. And if we're, able, we're able to testify how great thou art. Not how great I am, but Lord, how great thou art. And he goes on and says, it is He that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. He's responsible for this mess. Amen. And so thankful for him. And he says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. You see, Psalm 100 is a psalm of praise. It's a psalm where we can come back to in our time of despair and say, Lord, we choose to praise your name. Lord, we choose to lift up the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, though we don't understand, Lord, we're determined to be people of praise. But listen, we're called to give thanks. We're commanded to sing his praise. And so may we be willing to be all in when that time comes. Psalms chapter 18 and verse number three, he says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised? You see, why do we sing praises to Him? Because He alone is worthy. And so let us determine to be people who praise. Let us be willing to see that it affects the lives of others because, the lastly, we see it magnifies Christ. Verse number three, it says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. In other words, David said, Don't just let me sing a solo up here, but let me, let me inspire you to sing of the Lord and let us exalt his name together. I remember as a kid playing with magnifying glasses. Anybody like magnifying glasses when you're a kid? And we would look at insects and we would look at the little ants. And then in Texas, if you've ever been in Texas in 105 degree weather, that magnifying glass suddenly becomes a weapon of mass destruction. Well, we pull, pull that thing back and we watch those things just start to sizzle under the intenseness of the Texas sun. You know, that intensified the heat, but it magnified what was going on. Listen to this. He says, listen, our life ought to magnify the Lord. You know, when people see you, they ought to say, oh, man, there goes someone who, who looks like Christ. When, the, when, when they hear our song of praise, it should be, man, what a joyful thing to join in in the family of God as we sing unto the Lord. Listen, we help the world to see a real uh, effect of who Christ is. One example of this is in our hymn book, uh, Look to the Lamb of God on page number 256. And the, the word simply said, if you from sin are longing to be free, look to the Lamb of God. He to redeem you died on Calvary. Look to the Lamb of God. When Satan tempts and doubts and fears assails, look to the Lamb of God. You in His strength shall overall prevail. And He reminds us again, look to the Lamb of God. You see, because in everything, we ought to be able to say, Lord, you alone are glorified in all things. And see, you see, that happens in David's life because he said, listen, I'm going to determine to praise God with everything I have and with everything I am. Lord, I want you to be exalted in everything. But listen, the second effect was it removed the fear from his life. That no longer was he uh, willing to praise, but now he realized that God delivered him from fear. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't bound anymore by those fearful things in the cave of Adullam. He found that God had walked with him through those uh, terrifying experiences. And now he was truly free. In verses number four through seven in our text, we see where David wrote, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. You see, as we experience God's goodness, we not only praise, but we're encouraged. 
We're strengthened. We're delivered from fear. You see, fear has a grip on many hearts today. People in America, all especially, uh, are, are probably are the, the highest consumer of anti-anxiety medication than any other people in the world. We suffer with anxiety, anxious hearts. These fill the pews of churches all across America today. And yet, as believers, when we know the goodness of God, it helps us to be confident in trusting Him. There's two things that he said specifically that I think are important for us, and I'll share these with you today. First off, he said, God hears me. Verse number four, I sought the Lord and he heard me. Think about this. How many of you like to be heard? You want your voice to be heard. Uh, matter of fact, oftentimes I can be very distracted because of the many things that are going on. And so I have to intentionally sometimes put something down. If I'm working in the shop, if I'm, I've got, uh, I'm studying or whatever, I have to put that down. I have to turn and I have to look someone in the eye so that I can make sure they know I'm hearing them. You see, God is one of those that he's much greater than we are. Amen. But listen, he stops to hear. You see, the simple truth that God hears our prayers helps us because sometimes fear begins to creep in and it begins to dominate a life. And we think, does God even care? First John 5, 14 and 15. I want you to, if you struggle with this, I want you to take these and, and write these scriptures down. It says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that He hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. You see, as John wrote this, he said, listen, if you're struggling with this, let me remind you that God truly hears when we ask something according to His will. He doesn't just uh, push us away uh, as a child that's in the way, but instead He draws us close and says, all right, son, now tell me what it is that's so important to you. In 1 Peter chapter 3, and verse 12, he says, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and His ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. You know what he says? He says, listen, he, he turns towards you, he turns his ear towards you, his good ear, and he says, all right, now let me listen to to everything you're saying because you're important. No doubt that David had to battle to believe that God had heard his prayers in the, mo in the moment, but when he was delivered and on the other side, he was able to say, listen, God heard me. He said, I was right there before Achish in the land of Gath where I'd slew Goliath. He said, and there in the midst of all of this, God heard my prayers and I'm trusting and believing that God still hears me. You see, God still hears your prayers. One of the greatest doctrines of the Bible is that we, as a believer, have direct access to the Heavenly Father. Amen. Think about this. When Jesus Christ was nailed on the cross, He died. The Bible says a great earthquake shook the land. And in the process of that, the veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the common people, that veil was ripped in half from the top to the bottom like God took a hold of it and just went, no longer do you need a priest to intercede because now the high priest has laid down his life. Listen, we have direct access to the Lord. This is what he says in Hebrews 4.16. Let us, as a result in verse 15, he talks about our high priest. He says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, the glorious news is that the Bible teaches is that, uh, that we have direct access to God Almighty. I'm thankful that in our time of need, God is our help. I'm thankful that He hears the prayers of His child. Let me just encourage you, don't hesitate to think, well, God won't hear me. 
or, or, or don't think, don't be caught up in this idea that, well, listen, I, I'm not as important as the pastor or I, my prayers are not as important as a missionary. Listen, he hears your prayers as well as mine. So come boldly into that throne of grace. So he heard first, God heard him. That was the first confidence he had. The second confidence he had was God protected. Verses 6 and 7. He says, The poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them and fear and, and uh, about them that fear him and delivered them. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see through a, dark, uh, a glass darkly, but then face to face. For I know in part, but then I shall know even as I am known. You ever, you ever been in uh, one of those situations? I, I like to look at some of these old rundown buildings and, and I like to see the inside of them, but they're always locked. And so you have to find a piece of glass and you're trying to look through the glass. And as you do so, sometimes you can smear away some of the muck and the mire that's accumulated. Sometimes you just have to kind of look as best you can. And you can't see real clearly what's going on inside the building, but you want to and you're trying to. And the Apostle Paul, as he writes about heaven, he says, listen, there's some truths that as we look into, we gaze into the truths of heaven and we gaze into the truth of God, we don't always see real clearly what God's trying to reveal to us. He said, but one day when we stand face to face, we're going to see it all plain as day. And there's some, some truths that even David realized that, listen, I don't understand it all, but I can trust in the Lord and I can trust in the things that he's revealed to me. And so we struggle sometimes to see things as God sees them. You know, we don't see the work of angels as they uh, work around us. We don't see how they do the bidding of the Father. We don't see how God works things for our good. Instead, we have to rest and we have to trust. That's part of what faith is. And he says, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, be thou cast in the sea and it shall be done. And so we just trust in the Lord. And so, but one day the Bible says our eyes will be opened to these things. Now I've got some incredible theories and, and they're not uh, what I would say something that I would, I would uh, plan a church on. But I think it's going to be neat when God opens our eyes to the full spectrum of all that's real. And maybe we'll see music notes, not just on a printed page, but maybe as the, the music goes through the air. I don't know. But I do know we're going to see the work of God in a very real and tangible way. That's why Ephesians warns us, listen, there's things going on that you don't always realize. And, and sometimes we have arguments and fights. But the Bible says in Ephesians 6, 12, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right? I'm, when, when a husband and wife have conflict, it's not because uh, one of them is evil and one of them is good. It's because we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Listen, what we're wrestling against in those situations is that, listen, the, the devil is doing everything he can to be able to bring disunity and dysfunction to good, godly families. Listen, parents, as you battle for the heart of your child, let me just remember that you're battling on holy ground. You're waging a war with the enemy. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 that we ought to use spiritual weapons. Elisha and his ministry was circled about by a host, and his servants became fearful and afraid. And he couldn't see how God was working, and he began to fret and maybe pull his hair out. Maybe his hair was turning white, I don't know. But this is what I know is Elijah was undaunted, and he trusted in the Lord and his protection. And he says this in 2 Kings 6.16, And he answered, 
fear not to his, uh, to his servant, for they that be with us are more than they that be with him. And so he prayed in the next verse that the eyes of his servant might be opened. And he said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around about Elisha. You know what he was saying? He said, listen, there are things at work that you can't see, but God, would you let him just to see briefly a hand that you're at work? Listen, we're going through life and we don't always see how God's going to work things out. And we say, because I can't see, I can't believe. But the reality is, is that when we trust in the Lord, we can be like David and say, listen, the poor man cried and the Lord heard him and he saved him out of all of his troubles. We can rest in the Lord. We can put a place our confidence in him. And we say, Lord, I'm going to follow your precepts. I'm going to follow your word. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we're just going to trust him no matter how difficult or how trying or how, how questionable things are. God, we know that you're still God in all of these things. As Paul wrote to the young Timothy, uh, to the young pastor Timothy, he told him, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And he would tell him later, Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. He said, Listen, you don't know what lies ahead of you, but just know that God will walk with you. And so he encouraged him later in Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.12, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation and charity and purity and faith and in spirit. And he said, listen, you've got to live what you believe, Timothy. Today, if you believe the promises of God, we have no reason to be afraid. Listen, we have been reminded over and over in the scripture that God is always good. We can rest in him and we can trust in his promises. And we know that the Lord is always good. And so our response should be this morning, God, I choose to praise you. Lord, in just a moment, we're going to have an invitation as we do so. I want to invite you to come and just to praise the Lord. Maybe you're in the midst of a, of a situation. You say, Pastor, you don't understand how hard this is. Listen, God calls you and said, will you praise him even for the difficulty? Will you praise him when that loved one uh, seems to be walking out on you? Would you praise him in this moment when it seems like the world is falling apart? Would you just say, Lord, I, I know that things uh, seem impossible, but God, I choose to praise you because I know that you have my best at heart. God, I trust in you. But you see, God's greatest gift is a gift of salvation. And as a believer, what I realize is this is the closest I will ever get to hell. I don't have to worry about the flames of hell because I place my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are difficult seasons, but it's just a season. And when I come to the end of this life, my prayer, my expectation is that my Lord will greet me and He'll welcome me into the heaven and He'll say, well done. Not because I'm perfect, but because I placed my faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me ask you, have you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you said, Lord, I, I put my faith in you. I believe that Jesus alone is the, the source of my salvation. I believe that he died on the cross. He rose from the grave. And Lord, that, uh, that one day he's coming soon. I believe in Jesus as the Lord of all. And so this morning... If you've never placed your faith in Him, if you don't know for sure if you're heading to heaven or not, you see, this is your opportunity to respond to the Lord as well. Believer, we can respond with praise. Unbeliever, you can come for prayer that you might be saved. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is such a privilege to share God's Word with you. If God has spoken to your heart, 
because of the message. Stop right now and respond to whatever it is God is asking of you. Don't wait another minute. You can pray right where you're at and ask God for his help. If this message has helped you in any way, we would love to hear from you. Let us know if you have any questions or we can help you with your decision. Jesus asked his disciples, Who do ye say that I am? And he offers the same question to you today. What would your answer be?